Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available, unprospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me again here on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, welcome. And I uh, just want to give you a little idea of how the show works. Basically, we each week we feature a wide range of guests who are uniquely talented or uh, really care about the, the talent space themselves, or in many cases, both. So on this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. Uh, you know, first as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people, and in that second uh, area of really talking about talent in, a, in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today for their companies uh, and in, to drive their businesses forward. So hopefully that makes sense and you kind of see how talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and we really look to explore uh, those two areas as best we can. My guests generally include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, and uh, consultants, coaches, uh, people really uh, from all different fields, staffing and recruiting, um, but you know, generally what happens is I'm out at networking events and industry conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting some really inspiring leaders. So instead of me having this great conversation with them on the, the side of a uh, you know, corridor at a conference uh, that only I get to, to, to hear, we thought, hey, let's bring everybody in. Let's have a, a great conversation, allow you to listen in our dialogue, and hopefully get some practical advice that may uh, impact your own career or your company in a, in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, I do want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget, you can submit your questions via Twitter right now. Just tweet your question uh, to at PeopleG2 or your suggestion or anything else you want to say to us. And just add that hashtag, Talent Talk, so we can uh, easily find it. My producer, Michael, will feed me the best questions and uh, make sure I don't see any complaints. Because uh, that would just make me really sad. But anyways, so uh, we'll try to work them into the show, though. Don't forget, you can also listen to this show via podcast on iTunes or Android, anywhere else that you go for your podcast. It's actually how most people come in, and uh, as of this week, we have over 21,000 of you have been coming in, downloading the podcast, uh, and interacting us with, with us after the fact, and we really appreciate you doing that uh, when you're in the car at your kids' soccer games or practices or on the treadmill or wherever it is you're choosing to, to, to listen. We really appreciate it. So with that uh, being said, let's get today's show started. My guests today include Curtis Hughes, a managing partner at C5 Insight. He's one of those guys who I mentioned I met at a conference. In fact, it was the Inc. 5000 conference. And uh, also Karen Morris, the VP of Talent Acquisition at uh, and uh, Management at uh, Mavenlink. Karen will be joining me in the second half of the show, live uh, here in the studio. But let me get to my first guest who's on the phone with us. Curtis, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's... Uh, where we're at, it's uh, very hot and very windy, but we're finding a way to survive. How about you? Yeah, it's uh, starting to finally warm up and look like spring a little bit. It's been, it's been off and on cold and warm, so uh, good, good to talk to you again. And it's going to be spring soon, hopefully. I have some friends back uh, east who have said that they're hoping the snow might melt by May and they might actually get some golf in before the humidity rolls in. Yeah, I was in the mountains two weeks ago and there was two inches of snow on the ground here still. Uh, right. So it's crazy. <laughs> so, Curtis, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe kind of your, your road leading up to where you are now, and, of course, fill us in on what uh, C5 Insight does. Sure, absolutely. So, again, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's great to, great to finally connect with you again. It's been a, been a little while. So uh, I guess the best way to describe myself is probably a technologist turned entrepreneur. So I, I have a computer science uh, background, degree in computer science, so came out heavy technical software architecture, software design, worked for a number of consulting firms, um, mainly around this area. I'm, I'm actually a native Charlottean, so born and raised here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, never never left. Love it here. Love everything it has to offer. So I've kind of been here working for a lot of Microsoft partners, different things, worked for the Department of Defense right after 9-11, actually, in 2003, 2004, working overseas. Uh, doing software architecture for a division of the Department of Defense over in Kuwait and Germany and those areas. So that was kind of 
kind of exciting. So, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting to, to look back and see how where you are today has been shaped so much by, by where you've, uh, where you come from. So, uh, a few years ago, decided to, uh, to get out on my own and, uh, and, and thought it was time. And I've always had that kind of itch for entrepreneurship and started. And, and as they say, the rest is, uh, the rest is history. C5 is, is the third firm that I, that I co-founded. The only one I have now, the other two have been either, either sold or acquired or something. So, uh, C5 is where my, my heart and soul is. And, uh, tell you a little bit about C5. So basically, we're we're a team of consultants and strategists that, that really help organizations work together better. So what that means is that, like I said, while I come from a technology background, for us, the day-to-day is, is never about the technology, but it's more about uh, what the technology can do. We often say we're more passionate about you know what the technology can do than the technology itself. So we work with clients from, from all industries, uh, public-private sector, across the, across the globe, really, uh, to do more than just implement solutions, and we do those things. We have development teams and, and, and QA and, and solution architects, but we really want to, uh, you know, challenge our uh, our clients to think differently about the way they interact. So, so much today is is uh, you hear all the stuff about social, but it really is true how how everything we do is based on on interaction. So, uh, if, if you dig a little deeper on our website and look at us, you'll see that we do. Where Microsoft Partner do all those all those techie things, so to speak. But for us, again, we never go in and say, "Hey, we've got this technology. What can we do with it?" For us, it's, "What are you guys trying to do? How are you guys working together? How can we facilitate this?" And those are the tools in our toolbox, so to speak, that we use to, to kind of facilitate working together. That, that's where we get our most satisfaction is when we see clients really connecting and, and doing more together. Well, and that's that's probably why your companies are recognized locally as well as nationally. I mean, mentioned the fastest growing uh, private company uh, award as well that, that you received. So maybe you can talk a little bit about what it is that you feel has kind of provided you with so much success in such a small amount of time, and maybe the ideas behind you know the company that really drives it. Sure. So it's it's funny you should ask that question because. I posted on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago a picture of an iceberg and it kind of had success on it and it had, you know, below the water was 90%, above was 10%. And it's funny when people say, you know, success in such a short amount of time, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, and, and the whole, you know, success, overnight success and those kind of things. But but it's been a lot of hard work, right? It's mm-hmm. been a lot of this building up to it. So, so what looks like, hey, you guys grew so fast in two years, three years, look at the previous 15 and, and, and we weren't growing that fast. We were failing. We were ups and downs and, you know, successes and failures and disappointments and all these things. So it's interesting to, to, to kind of see people's perspective. Is usually, you know, man, you, you guys are doing great. Look how fast you guys have kind of grown. And then you're like, man, I've, I've been in the trenches for 15 years trying to, trying to get it to this point to where it looks like a success. So it's kind of interesting when I always hear that question. But, you know, to, to answer your question, probably I think for us and, and probably one of the reasons why I think you and I connected and, and, and was, you know, asked me to be on the show was for us. We put we put people first. I think that's one of the keys to our success sure. um, and, and our growth is is it's, even before our clients. To be honest, and, and that's one of our actual guiding principles is to to be servants first to our colleagues, then to our clients. And uh, as our marketing director says, uh, good cheese comes from happy cows. So we, we we our people are are happy. They're 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 they like to have fun. So I think just putting your people first, making sure that they're doing the things that they love and your clients are going to be well taken care of. I think the next thing is probably being open to all opportunities. You hear a lot of people say, well, I'm just waiting for this to happen or that to happen or what they think they may be anticipating. But I, I think it's a unique individual that, and I think we've been blessed with these opportunities here at C5, to recognize a unique opportunity that uh, is, is short-lived and may never come along again and not one that you may be even expecting how I met my business partner is one of those situations where I wasn't even looking for, for a partner and had my own firm, and next thing you know, his firm acquired mine, and, and, and here we are. So I think it, it, it's recognizing those opportunities. And then the last thing is probably just realizing for us that that, you're, uh, that everything you do affects someone else, whether you call it selflessness or whatever you want to call that. You know, it's, it's basically realizing that, that what we do is part of, of something bigger than just, you know, C5 and implementation and consulting and those kind of things. It's, it's, it's much farther reaching. It's, it's, it's giving people jobs, giving people careers. It's helping people do a lot of different things. So I think I think we always try to keep those things in mind, and, and putting those together have probably helped us be super successful. 
I think some of the things that you just talked about may kind of bridge us into the next question, which is, you know, what do you think kind of makes your organization unique or different in the way that, you know, makes people want to be a part of it? Uh, It sounds like you do a lot of good things to keep your the people uh, happy and, and you, you kind of put them first you talked about um but maybe other is there more to that story there that kind of makes them really want to you know be a part of your team and stay around gosh i hope so i mean it's uh you know we have this we have the standard benefit those kind of things uh we, we are a, a smaller firm you know about 30 30 folks so uh you know it, it, it's tough these days with with uh with healthcare and everything else to try to give you know grand benefits that a huge firm would give but we, we do give good benefits but we we often you know we, we tell our, our people we are really creative with our benefits we do a thing that we just kick off uh, around memorial day which is summer hours which we basically every other week we work uh, uh four and a half days every other week so we give you know half day on friday every other week off and we just basically close down and, and make sure we get our work done and clients are taken care of and we have a system in place that everybody gets to go home and every every other friday gets to start their weekend at noon we do fun Friday events. We we let them roll over PTO. So we do all these kind of benefit things. But but I think more than that, you know, when you when when people ultimately leave and, and, and people people do leave, even even great companies, the the thing we hear about the most, I think, is more about our people and and kind of the culture and how it was here than our benefits. Um, the benefits are all nice, but I think for the biggest thing we hear is is uh, it, it, it's a great place. The people are great. They've been over backwards for you. And I think one thing that, that comes to mind is that I think it's a safe place to work. And what I mean by that is people feel open uh, to, to sharing things with us. We just had a guy that actually uh, went on to a to a better opportunity and a different opportunity that, that, that really satisfied him more. And when he left, he, he basically, before he even had a job offer and was even accepting offers, he came in my office and sat down and said, you know what, I just want to let you know, give you guys a heads up. Uh, I am looking. Uh, but but I haven't accepted anything yet. I don't know what time that'll be. But I wanted to let you guys know that I was looking. I mean, how many how many employees are going to come into their boss's office um, before they even leave and, and feel safe enough to say, "I'm looking." I wanted to give you guys a head a head start on whatever plans you needed to make. I wanted to, to look out for you guys as well. So that was pretty cool to, to hear that. So I think it's just a an all around good place. They we're honest, we're transparent, and we just look out for each other. Well, uh, it's uh, I'm uh, I'm waiting for the emails to start rolling in from my staff that are that are listening to the show uh, to ask for this half day Friday. So I'll have to blame you yeah, for, for yeah. that. But uh, you know, it, it sounds like you, you guys do a lot of cool things that really kind of help, really you know, keep her keep her culture good and and kind of add some glue to it that you know allows it to keep everyone kind of working together on, on the same target. So I'll certainly let you expand on this answer, but I was wondering, and maybe I might give you a tough one here, maybe you could describe culture in just three words. If you could do that, what would that be? Gosh, um, pull a little bit from our values, because I think our values are our culture to a large extent. So I think one of the biggest things is, maybe call it two words, it's hyphenated, so I'm going to call it one word, servant-hearted. I think is a good word. Um, you could call that giver. You could call that, you know, a lot, a lot of different things. But we are, um, that's one of our guiding principles uh, is, is to be a servant. And, and what that means is just serving serving other people. And, again, like we said, our colleagues first and then our clients, looking out for each other, watching out for each other, having everybody's back. I think that's a huge thing. Um, and just being givers, three words. Uh, I think the other thing's fun. I mean, we, we like to have fun. We're, we uh, we, we uh, work hard, but we play hard. And so uh, I think fun would, would kind of be something that would be overarching uh, across all of C5, and I would hope it would be. And the last thing I think I, I just mentioned as well is, is really hardworking. Um, while we like to have fun and, and, and play, uh, we definitely get down get down to business and we work hard. Our people work hard. They're committed, and, and which I think goes back to looking out for their their colleagues and, and, and the clients around them and not just themselves and, and saying, well, I could do this. And I mean, they, they're going to they're gonna, – do whatever they can to, to make the client happy and to make their colleagues successful. You know, when you kind of look at company culture, you know, what, what do you think it, it really takes for someone to be successful when they work at your company? I mean, they need to be, obviously it sounds like they need to have some level of, of being a giver. They need to, to be a hard worker. But I think that that may be pretty synonymous for most companies. You expect them to work hard. You expect them to, to treat others well. And the fun part is probably something you facilitate. But is there more to that that, what they really need to have as a part of their core to really be successful, you know, as part of that part of that thirty that you have on your team now. 
Good, good question. I, I think I think you, you kind of read between the lines of those three. So this is really kind of digging deeper into those three and kind of seeing what what it really takes for someone to kind of to kind of be a part of that culture. I, I think the servant piece is just being selfless. Uh, and again, you can call that a lot of different things, but we really do when we interview. We have a pretty extensive interview process, almost five hours long per candidate for for a company of our size, which is which is a lot of commitment to, to, to put that much time into all the resumes and everything. So. But what we try to screen for is someone that looks out for others as best we can, thinking of others first, not trying to to, to think of themselves first. And I, I think we can we can try to get that as, as best we can. And, and we want people that they go out of their way to help to help others. I think the other thing too is accountability. Just just you know responsibility, accountability, um, being accountable for for what you've done, whether it's good or bad. Um, being accountable and, and recognizing you know when you've done something wrong, when and, and being recognized when you do something right. I think the other thing too is a good sense of humor. Um, we, we definitely like someone with a good sense of humor. Uh, you know, someone that's very, you know, very dry and very all, all the time serious is probably not going to fit in here, and that's that's okay with us. Uh, that may be a super smart person, but for us, it's much more than the skill mm-hmm. and, and 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 the the IQ. It's much more about you know who they are and, and kind of the interaction with the team. So, you know, I'm sure you, you, we've talked about the giving part a lot, and maybe there's sometimes challenges with that. If you have a whole team full of people who are really, really focused at being givers, they might spend all their time giving and, and then maybe not have enough for their own responsibilities or have enough in the tank to, you know, do something extra that, that that's going in there. So are there, are, are there generally things that you guys have to kind of watch out for or maybe complaints or maybe just challenges within your organization that you have to kind of really keep your eye on the ball to make sure that, um, you know, it's it's not keeping your your company from succeeding or or kind of hitting that next level of success. Yeah, I think you know that with with the uh, with the giving thing, we, we we have seen that we put in some some better checks and balances, if you will, from our systems and processes that help with that as well from an accountability standpoint of giving away. I mean, one thing we saw was our employees being so giving that they were actually it, it appeared that they were giving to their clients before their colleagues, which meant they were giving away hours. And we're a consulting firm, so so. We, we don't build products, uh, so our time is, is, is what we bill for. So when you're giving away time that is valuable to the client and not and not charging for that, it's actually the service to your to your colleagues um, hurts hurts overall performance of the company, bonuses, whatever it may be. So we have tried to put some things in place to make sure that um, you know people can't you know make something not billable and, and some checks and balances and things like that. And then I think the other thing we hear is just the nature of consulting. You, you guys may hear this as well, is just the ups and downs of the business. Um, gosh, if we could keep it all just at one at one steady pace all the time, that would be that would be awesome. If someone could figure that out, they would they would be able to write their own check. But <laughs> yeah, the the just, equation to avoid the feast or famine, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's ups and downs, and that's the thing we hear about the most. I mean, it, it's really like you can either you're either great with consulting, or you know, you come from a huge bank or something like that and, and consulting is just so foreign to you you just can't handle the swings and that's one of the things we hear we hear a lot is just and consulting not from me i can't handle the work and then no work and you know clients starting and stopping and, and just all the different paces that they kind of go on so you know you, you've got the right people in the door it sounds like you've got a you know pretty good idea of who that that person is and uh, you got some things in place to kind of make sure you're not uh missing out on opportunities or revenue but and then comes, you know, how do you get to develop people? Yeah, this is a challenge a lot of companies have, you know, helping people get to the to their next level, helping them to the next job, uh, their own personal growth. Uh, hopefully that's a job within your own, your own organization. But, you know, are, are there things that you're actively doing to really try to make sure you're developing your, your people on a regular basis? I wish we were better at it. I think that's an area where uh, where we could be better. Um, the, the thing I think that, that helps is, is knowing that um, no matter how hard you try, I think there's always going to be employee turnover um, as long as there's people who are ambitious and constantly learning and companies that aren't really uh, fostering and, and supporting that growth. There's always going to be kind of mis- mismatches and, and changing of the guard in, in companies. So uh, that's just something I think we have to accept. The other thing I think is, you know, for us, we want to develop leaders. Um, you know, people can move up in their skill set, but we want to make sure there's leaders. And, and for me, I think to develop good leaders, the people – Leading them and mentoring them need to be good leaders. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but you know, just like a, a child kind of learning. I've got a three-year-old. You know, learning more from what I what I do than what I say. They're watching right now, right? They're, they're everything. So, I, I think people that want to be in leadership 
um, they want to see what real leadership is and see it in action and how to model it, and that's what that's what they're going to do. Versus, you know, here read this book on leadership and and you know do this assessment and figure out how to how to be leaders. So for us, kind of fostering leadership, um, I don't think we could do that if if we weren't uh, good leaders ourselves. And, and and I think that's helped us create leaders that have come behind us and stepped up to the plate and do things like that as well. Well, certainly, if you're really thinking of that as front of mind for you, then you must have had your own kind of examples, and maybe you could share those with us of, you know, who maybe had a really uh, big impact on your own personal leadership development, because somebody along the line must have made that an, an important point for you, something you learned, if, if you're now passing that on to your own staff within your company. So maybe you could kind of give us a little idea of, you know, if there was a particular person or a couple people who really had a big impact on you. So I've definitely had that that question asked before. I think the big one of the biggest things for me is people may not say it a lot, maybe they do. I don't know. Is is really my family? I mean, for me, when when you're growing up and, and you're learning how you're supposed to be, your value system, those things, that's your foundation. That all the other leadership and and uh, you know, you're good at sales, you're good at consulting, whatever it is, are built on top of this foundation. Your foundation is built when you're a child. So, I mean, I, I, I have to attribute a lot to my family, the way they brought me up, hard work ethic, making sure that I, you know, thanked people, told people I appreciated them, just all, all those things that I, I think humility is a huge one for leadership and just, just strong morals and, and kind of values of, of right and wrong and those kind of things. Also, it's, it's interesting because, for me, I, I think I've probably learned more from seeing and having poor leaders and bosses than good ones. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, they say you learn more from your mistakes. I, I've witnessed, you know, what basically not to do in leadership. Man, that, that was that was a horrible way to, to let people know about the layoffs. That was a horrible, you know, all these different things that I've learned over my career, which kind of goes back to what we talked about originally of everything leading up to where you are today. And I think seeing how people interact and, and the things I definitely don't want to be and don't want to do, those have shaped me as much as, as much as, you know, great leaders, but but of course I've had great bosses and leaders along the way that have kind of helped me, put me in situations where I probably didn't think I was going to be successful, but they knew I was and kind of stretched me. But those are probably a couple of the ones that that have uh, that have really put me, I think, where I am and kind of taught me a lot. And one of our favorite questions to ask our guests is, you know, are you reading anything right now that you might share with us that you know uh, we, we might take a look at? Always reading, um, and I've asked a couple people if they've heard this, and they haven't. So that's, that's great. It's actually a book called Give and Take. Have you have you heard of that book? Give and Take by Adam Grant. We've mentioned on the show a few times. It's a great book. Yep, yep, absolutely. So you know about the book. So yeah, that's what I'm. I'm I've just just started reading, and um, we've got our entire management team, and, and actually some of our employees have uh, have said, "Hey, let, let me read that." And so talking about the the givers, the takers, the matchers, uh-huh. um, and, and and basically, you know. Making your horizon far enough so that so that the givers the givers win, and, and it's interesting because I think we were I think we were already there, but there's a lot of great stuff in that book. Um, there's some really fantastic suggestions that I'm sure you'll be able to implement, especially with a, a team full of givers, to make yep, sure that exactly. uh, they feel recognized, to make sure that they're not uh, overstretching themselves in a way, uh, and certainly you know, and 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 helping them. To deal with, maybe it may come more with your clients too, but people who are takers, right? Who are who exactly. are going to take advantage of them, and how, how do they handle them? How do they mitigate that, and 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 still provide it, you know, a great service and to, to be a great uh, a partner for them? But you know, you deal with different personalities, and you guys can't always control who your clients are. You get a little more control who your staff is. So. Exactly. So I'm excited to get into the meat of that book a little more. So great, great that you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. I'm glad you picked it up. In fact, I was gonna say, I read myself a note to to send you uh, that suggestion uh, offline, okay. uh, just given all you, all you were talking about with the givers. But uh, I'm glad you you already found it on your own. So uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. a great book, and Adam's a great writer, and a really well known professor as well. So oh yeah. Well, so maybe you can uh, let us know uh, how people can get a hold of you if they're in, interested in learning more about your company. I think the best way, because, I mean, there's, there's so many different avenues we have out there. We have great, great, you know, blogs, very active blogs. Um, we actually incentivize our, our folks to, to write blogs and, and pay them, you know, for, for blogs as an incentive and things like that. And they write great blogs. They're just trying to get that information out of their head. So I think the website, you know, c5insight.com, uh, letter C, number 5, insight.com. And uh, I think that's the best place because you can get to videos, training, events we're doing, everything right from there. 
um, and learn more about what we're doing. And if, if anybody has any questions, obviously reach out to us um, via the website or any way, and we'll, we'll jump on it and get right back to you. Curtis, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Talent Talk Radio Show, and it's a real pleasure uh, having you, and as well as catching up with you uh, since I you know, made over in uh, D.C. Yep, absolutely. Thanks again, Chris. Okay. Karen Morris is coming up next after this quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast and join the other 21,000 people as of this week that are listening to our shows. You can also visit talenttalkradio.com or octalkradio.net and go to the show tab and click on Talent Talk. Now, now we've been existed now just under a year, and we really appreciate uh, the huge following we have, and, and those of you that uh, have been sending us all the great notes and interacting and, and listening to our shows. My next guest is uh, Karen Morris. She's the VP of Talent Acquisition and Management at Mavin Link. Don't forget, you can uh, tweet your questions live right now for Karen by sending them to at peopleg2 and use that hashtag of Talent Talk uh, all together as one word. So, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here, Chris. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, of course, uh, about your company, Mavinly. Uh Well, I, I really uh, started enjoying my career when I discovered executive recruiting. Uh, prior to that, I had been in the loan business and tired of that because it just seemed I was uh, pushing money around and didn't get mm-hmm. much satisfaction there. And I was recruited myself into that industry, uh, kind of fell into it, as it were. And, um, you know, that was back in the day prior to LinkedIn and um Monster is about the only thing on the scene. There was no formal training. So picked it up and just found that I had a talent for matching uh, talent with opportunities out there in the Orange County area. Grew to be a nationwide uh, field after a fashion, uh, but truly enjoyed it and getting to know all the different people and titles and industries out there. Very varied field, so it kept me very engaged and interested. So after working for 10 years as an executive recruiter, you've you decided to make a change and, and take this into role as the VP of Talent and Acquisition and Management. So how has that transition been for you, and, and what would you say has been the, the easiest part, maybe the most difficult part? Well, uh, Mavenlink was a client of mine, and I met the two out of the three co-founders in 2009. And uh, the uh, industry recruiting had flattened if you recall, mm-hmm. 2009 and the crickets we all heard for quite some Everything time. Everything flattened, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and prior to that, we had been very heavily involved in mortgage and real estate, which, of course, had pancaked along with everything else. So we tried to reinvent ourselves at that time, and uh, the thing to do seemed to be to go into startup land where venture capital was meeting the people that were very fearless at that time and were deciding, let's start a business. Now's a good time. And I met uh, Ray Granger and Sean Crafts at, at exactly that, at an Octane event, which was uh, a conduit for bringing uh, venture capital to young startups. And uh, over the years, uh, as they were geared up and actually got ready to go, uh, I was called upon to put in several key hires for them, including the very first one, 
and uh, she was the director of customer service, and that was an important hire for them. They had made the decision they wanted customer service to be uh, preeminent uh, importance to the company. And um, so over time, we just knew each other very well, and when they are reaching the growth stage that they are now, they asked me to come on board uh, full-time. So that has been definitely a uh, leap into the uh, looking glass Mm -hmm. uh, because for several reasons. Before, you would find somebody and throw them over the fence, so to speak, wish them well, wish them luck, and send them on their way. And uh, so now I've entered an environment where I've placed several people who are still there, and doing well, so I'm working with people I've placed and then turning around and bringing more people in and and continuing to work with them, which is a very different dynamic from, from what we're used to. Right. In terms of the, the changes, there nothing was the same. I went from a huge company where it takes, uh, like a battleship, where it takes three days to turn right, and now I'm in a startup situation, which I would say would be like a sailboat where... You're both sailing, or you're both on the water, but uh, it's a completely different experience. So we're able to uh, just react to all the things going out there, and that happen nearly daily in terms of getting a business up and running, as opposed to having already arrived. Sure. And it sounds like you know you had a real part in placing some of the people that were in the organization, so you had maybe a really you know unique knowledge about the company and about what they were doing, but... I'm going to guess that maybe as you walked in your first day or in the first couple weeks, you had a real, maybe a real sense, a real better understanding of the kind of culture, the kind of company culture that they were really pushing. So maybe what was one of the first couple things you noticed about their culture uh, once you were finally in the door and completely on the other side of the curtain here? I think think probably the biggest difference in, in Maven Lincoln being in that type of environment and I think why people who are in the startup industry do love it or are attracted to it from where they might be at the current time. Uh, when you are there, you are truly making a difference, and that's a difference that, that can actually literally move the needle right then and there, and you can witness and see it. You know, every month means something. Right. Uh, every month things are being achieved. You're reaching uh, different mileposts, which have not been hit before. And, and there's also a lot of changes and dynamics going on where different things are tried out. I mean, of course, there's a vision. There's always a vision. But like, again, in that sailboat uh, metaphor, there's the wind and the water is felt a lot differently at that level than in a battleship. So you are a very good sailor, and uh, your skill set is required daily. And, and I think the people there... Uh, to a person, and, and certainly one of the nicest things and the easiest things to transition to uh, was was just the welcome and uh, having that sense of value because it really, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. Every contribution is important. Uh, there is uh, no fluff, no, uh, everybody has a, a role to play, and we would really like you to be a very good rower. So uh, walking into that environment uh, requires you to really roll up your sleeves and uh, and get going. And everybody else uh, has that same attitude. It's just an environment where you are performing at that level daily. So you have all these uh, you know great people on a team, and you're all probably wearing many different hats, right? Very much so. Um, I couldn't quite think of a sailing metaphor for that, but <laughs> a lot of different hats. And so, what do you think though is really driving then the success for for Maven LinkedIn? For for uh, for Maven Link, it's uh, I think we again have three co-founders, and they all have a different um, they all have a different style, and they all serve different functions. So that's been very interesting for me, and I I think it's been the true recipe for our success. First and foremost, Ray Granger, our CEO, had a vision. Uh, he worked for Accenture Consulting for about twenty plus years. Uh, was able to see what makes businesses successful all over the world and uh, what were best practices. And he saw a very big lack for small to medium businesses and felt like they were getting the short change of resources in many instances and felt like he wanted to level the playing field and get them some enterprise software that could let them play with the big boys. And that was kind of the genesis of, of Mavenlink. He went on to work with two of the other co-founders. And again, precisely in 2008, as we all heard the kaboom of the economy, they said, let's let's get this going. 
So we have Ray, who um, shepherds the vision and kind of drives the forward momentum. We have Sean Crafts, who's um, the heart and glue of the operations. And then we have a unique setup because we have a San Francisco office, as that's where all our software engineers are. And a lot of the talent exists these days. And they're housed with our third co-founder, Roger Neal, who acts as our CTO. And so you have um, a combination of those three uh, Mm -hmm. running that vision. So you have three different founders. You have two different locations. You kind of have one location, your your, your technical people, and then maybe the other one you have your... You're less, you're less technical, maybe not. Correct. So really two different cultures, quite right. honestly. Right. Yes. I was going to say, so how, do you find that there really has to be an alignment overall to the company, or do you feel like you're kind of having kind of little pockets of culture right now based on who's who's really overseeing something? We're working it on a, on a couple of levels. I'd have to say right now, I mean, uh, you know, I look out there and see Irvine, and you go out and you take a look at San Francisco. So, yes, you have two very different cities uh, two very different cultures going on there. Um, Sam- the, weather, the weather better here and the food's better up there, right? That, that is correct. Okay. <laughs> uh, Although the weather today is, is well, yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, so uh, up there, it's, it's software engineering land, and you've got a lot of very bright young people who, um, and it's a crazy market, quite frankly, up there right now. You've got uh, kids who'll graduate from school, decide that, they don't want to be whatever it might be, a biomedical engineer or, or whatever it was they studied. And um, they will take a 12-week boot camp, and that will immerse them into coding and emerge from that three months later and command six-figure salaries. And they will have multiple offers in a matter of weeks. And that's, that's just a hurricane going on right now up there. And coding positions can range. You know, we've heard of people making a couple hundred dollars an hour in their jammies never never commuting past their living room. Uh, our environment is, is very different. We're a Ruby shop, so we do actually what's called paired programming. So our developers work side-by-side side doing the code, very mm-hmm. test-driven. So we have a couple people understanding what is happening and making sure it's solid. So it's about as far away as you can get from the, uh, from the guy, the lone wolf, in his uh, living room. Right. And we're looking for longevity. And uh, we do have about 18 months, I'd say on average, tenure, which is dog years in the software engineering <laughs> land. So we're quite proud of that. So that that's a very different culture than we have going on in Irvine, which is more suburban. Uh, we've got a lot more functions there. Um, you have the sales and marketing and customer service. But that being said, there's a lot of integration uh, back and forth because we work seamlessly with engineering all day, every day on many, many issues because we have a continuously deployed product uh, that is constantly being revised, improved, um, re-engineered, introduced in terms of new features. So do you feel like there's a central value system for the company, or do you feel like that's a little fragmented, too, between the two groups? No, I definitely feel mainly because we uh, made a point. Our CEO uh, took us all to Monterey in February and uh, met everybody there at the time. We're growing quickly, so everybody who was there at the time. And we actually had a two-day summit, if you will, and came up with our core values. And uh, every single person had input and voted and debated and argued. And uh, we arrived at our set that we felt defined us as a team, being Mm -hmm. the two of us, and... um, and so, again, we're part of our growing process right now is to institute um, some very good practices, actually, that our San Francisco office has uh, to mirror those here in Irvine and vice versa. So it gives you the luxury of picking the best of, of each <laughs> and hopefully coming right. up with something that's comfortable it's like for two all. little incubators going on Correct. and then you take the best stuff. Correct. Over, right. But there, there will be some uniqueness by, by definition because right. of the locations. So, you know, if you're maybe looking at from the perspective of an employee or you know, someone coming in, a candidate that might, might join your team, what do you think is the most important thing for them walking into your organization? What, what do you think is really driving their, their motivations or their, their worries? What do you think that's really the focus for them? You know, I really try to educate them uh, as to who we are and what our company history has been to this point and where our vision is for where we are going in the future. 
you know, we're, we are not just a job at this point. We're not just a paycheck and you're signing up and you'll... It's, it is a work in progress. We physically have a task to accomplish. And we are very interested in getting the right horsepower at all levels to get that done for us. So I really need them to understand the startup philosophy and kind of the space that we're in, the SaaS-based software as a service. It is highly competitive. Uh, we are very nimble as a company, so we can change direction as we feel we need to in a variety of ways. So somebody who might be more comfortable at a Boeing facility, they're not going to fit in well. That will, that will be disservice to us, Mavenlink, and, and to them. So I really do try to make sure that they understand where we are in a company and where we're going. Likewise, um, we plan to be here for some time. Our, our vision is, is to grow and become uh, a bigger company. So we, we like the staying power and we stress the opportunities and growth that are available precisely because of where we are in our growth set for people who can make a career uh, with us in the next. It sounds like a matter of you know mitigating or understanding expectations that between a risk and reward scenario. I mean, for some people, they don't want any risk, and then they need to understand there's less reward there for them if they're going to go to a very stable job and a very stable long-term company, whereas they might have an incredible amount of reward by being in your company very early on, but the risk is there because you are in a startup scenario. That is correct, and of course the exact reason, I'm sure if you looked it up in Wikipedia, that equity was invented. Right. And, um, and, and of course that's an interesting concept to explain to a 20-something uh, versus a 30-something versus a 40-something. So it's, um, it, it is part of, of the opportunity now, and again, I think ever so much more important because of course the speech is it could be your lottery ticket or or worth the paper it's written on. But, of course, going back to the right person for us is the person who feels like this matters, this means something. Therefore, I'm, I'm willing to put in the work required, the extra work really required to get uh, where we need to go as opposed to arriving at a company that's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. Well, and every company wants to have the best people working for them. They want to have the the best talent available. You know, of course, be, albeit whatever their budget may be or what, what their constraints are, be able to pay for that. But are there some things that you do well? You think that to really find those people and bring them in, and maybe it's a resource, maybe it's a process. Is there something you can share with us that that you're doing to really make sure you get that that best person in that bubble that we you kind of you're kind of you're put into on a regular basis? I think. I think the important thing, there's a couple, couple things that go on. One, the, the better you hire and the more consistent you are with your best practices in doing that, then you've created your own mini network, of course, and they have friends and, and past acquaintances that, that could also work really well. So that's, that's always kind of number one, just being uh, having the high standards, getting the right people in and therefore their network as well. I, I would have to be a walking billboard for LinkedIn. It's a wonderful tool. Uh, particularly for the passive uh, job seeker who who will entertain the conversation. And I, I think my background in, in just 10 years of executive recruiting, uh, if there's one thing I do, it's to listen, just simply listen to people very closely and very well and try to intuit what it is that they're looking for truly and really and, and accepting that. And if, if it is a match, I think it gets easier and easier as you go along instead of harder and harder. I think the one thing I have noticed, again, with this transition, and now I have an opportunity to be on the other side and have recruiters approaching me, mm-hmm. particularly in the technical space, it's a lot of noise. They're in the spaghetti-on-the-wall syndrome, and they are throwing people at you. I had a fellow the other day, and um, and I'm having my phone screen, and he was presented. And, and on paper, his skill set is terrific. Uh, but I find within two minutes that uh, he already has three job offers, and in the last four weeks he's filled out 245 applications. i not feeling the love, you know. <laughs> I'm not okay. sure he's going to get us. So it, Nor does he probably have any idea about you, um, right? I mean, I, uh, no, he actually looked at the site, but I'll ask some basic questions. But what I will find, too, about... A lot in the recruiting stage, and, and I had somebody telling me, and of course she hasn't looked at my profile on LinkedIn, she um, is trying to tell me how recruiting works, 
and and she says but i can get you really good people and i said i see really good people all day long but i cannot get them delivered to me because they're busy filling their 246th application and Mm -hmm. and you haven't sold them on us and i'm relying on you to do that where we want to be and and that being fairly solid it's almost easy to ascertain then when you speak to people because you do have a very good vision about where the company's headed it will be a good experience for the right person so you just go through your due diligence and find out what it is that they want and i'm telling you if you have the i think he wants to be an application filler as his life's journey that's just a whole lot of work and i appreciate his process but that's (laughs) a whole lot of process for him to concentrate on the music of finding a position. Yeah, that is, that's that's a pretty intense. <laughs> pretty intense. Bet you he's probably a great coder once he settles down. <laughs> right. Well, you certainly seem like a very um, articulate and uh, smart person, so I'm going to guess that you're going to have a great answer for our next question, and that is, what are you reading right now? Uh, well, I have three books on my my library, to, to be fair. One from each co-founder. I have picked um, The Happiness Advantage uh, by Sean Acor. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. He's a Harvard graduate, and again, it's a very simplistic viewpoint, and I think one that we intuit almost daily, but we we tend to let the negative take over, and you kind of have the mindset, gosh, if I apply myself, if I work really hard, if I get here, then I'll be happy. And of course, what do we do? We get to that top of that mm-hmm. mountaintop, and we go, oh, look at that one over there. Okay, and off you go, and yeah. you repeat, repeat. So with with him, it's more uh, be happy right now and do that by trying to be your best person today. And um, he gives a great example of when he was a child. He was seven. His sister was five. And they were horsing around in the top of the bunk bed, and he was in charge of keeping her quiet while his mother napped. And, of course, brother being uh, brother and sister being sister, she wound up being pushed out of the bed and landing on all fours. Very painful drop. So now she, he's realizing how his life is going to look in the next 10 minutes if he doesn't <laughs> act very quickly. And she's down there on the floor on all fours, again, taking breath to do what she's going to do, which is turn him in. And he just says, look what you did. You landed on all fours. I think you might be a unicorn. And the sister in, just came to a stop and had a choice to make. She's either going to scream and holler, turn him in, as a horrible brother, or understand that she now may have begun her life as a unicorn. So that's what happened. And same set of circumstances, but an opportunity to take the positive or the negative. doesn't right. mean your life will, will go smashingly well, per, cha- per se, but the way you handle it, the way you perceive it. And then that is the driver. That in itself will fuel success for you, having that attitude. So... Awesome. Love it. Sounds like a, a really impactful book. And uh, again, the author is uh, Sean Acor. It's A C H O R. And he said it was the happiness. The um, happiness advantage. Advantage. His, uh, there we yes, go. he's taken this as his life work background in Harvard. So uh, very personable. It's very easy to read. Well, uh, it sounds like a, like I said, a great book. We'll certainly our, let our readers, uh, or excuse me, our listeners uh, check it out. And don't forget, you can uh, check out our blog posts uh, for the Town Talk Radio Show on peopleg2.com uh, slash uh, the blog. And we have all the different books that our, our guests have suggested there, as long as an uh, Amazon store where you can go in and look and, and grab it if you are interested in. And we have just a little bit more time here with you today. And uh, I just wondered how you uh, encourage others who, who work for you um, Sounds like you have a fast-paced environment. You have a lot of uh, stress and pressures and, and things that need to be done and probably a, a very tight budget and very lean and, and try to do that in a startup environment. So are there some things that you do to really encourage people to make sure that they know they're appreciated and then they're able to give their best? You know, I think you hit on a key point there. I, I think a good 95% of the workforce is just looking for an attaboy or the girl. Uh-huh. It's that simple. It, it really is. And if you take it to that fundamental level, uh, we do try to collaborate. And, and I find communication also is key. We try to get around to everybody as much as possible. And as busy as we are, and uh, there's 50 of us right now, but there's pockets of energy and directions being taken that may not have been communicated that need to be. And we're, and we're so busy sometimes that 
it's it's almost amusing. Uh, so we make a point of, and right now we're trying to institute it more and more, is getting into, San Francisco's very good at it. They'll do a st- what they call stand-up meetings and uh, just kind of review what's what's positive, what's negative, and what they call what's meh, which, which mm-hmm. you know, is just kind of right down the middle. And we're, again, trying to in- implement that at all levels. Also, it's a- an interesting um, exercise to do with a founder or two standing in the circle with uh-huh. you. So that's, again, right there, an opportunity that, you know, it's just the what would have liked to have been the 50th employee of Microsoft versus an employee now. So it's... It is truly the unique aspect of being in this part of the company because who you are communicating with and getting that land or wind adjustment in the sailboat is is quite often a co-founder. And, and you're dealing with, again, all levels. So simply walking up and having the conversation or having those group discussions mm-hmm. uh, as often as possible because the landscape's changing quickly. Well, and one of the things that we always, I, I struggled with was, you're right, it, just having that attaboy is what people want. So important. And yet I didn't have the time to be able to do it as much as I should have done it, or I got busy, or you, know, you forget to do it, or you you do it sometimes, not enough. It's very inconsistent. So we finally just said, let's just turn this upside down. Everyone's in charge of giving those attaboys. Everyone, mm-hmm. Anybody can do it. And so we now do that within our culture that anyone can can publicly, you know, put everyone on the email chain and say, this person did a great job for me, and everyone tells them good job, and you know, instead of it having to always come from top down. Uh, agreed. That's that's things that we're talking about, and kind of that instant recognition, as opposed to waiting for a more formal right. um, uh, pat on the back. I think the other very simple rule we have is, if you're within five feet of someone, you, you say something to them. Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Instead of just head down, bolt back to your to your area and just have that interaction. Something as simple as that mm-hmm. um, can again uh, change the the trajectory of each's uh, each person's day. Just that, just that. Uh, again, I think that's the most important thing that I would like to contain going forward is that small town feel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because the irony of every startup is, what do we want to do? We want to become the battleship one day. But we, I think, our our true vision would be let's do that, but keep keep the small town feel. Don't lose it. Because that's the best joy of being mm-hmm. where we are and, and being pushing this product up the hill. Right. Well, Karen, you've, you've been a wonderful guest today, and I really appreciate you being on our show. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, just real quick, uh, how can people uh, learn more about your company if they're interested in learning? They can go to mavenlink.com, and they can certainly reach out. They can check out our career section to see uh, how we're hiring right now and learn more about the company's history. And they can check me out on LinkedIn, Karen Morris with Mavenlink. And uh, I'm right there. And uh, fill out their 247th application. (laughs) If you have the time. All right. So that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you again to my guests, Curtis Hughes and Karen Morris. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2. To hear Bill Pepler, Managing Partner at Cavalero Staffing, and Don Kohler, President and CEO of The Inside Coach. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2.